Part 11, Chapter 5 of Israel's Faith. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Franklin Vias. Israel's Faith by Nathan Solomon Joseph. Sabbaths and Festivals. Religion consists of two parts belief and observance belief being the act of the mind observance the act of the body with the help of the mind the first religious observance sacrifice and prayer arose from men's anxiety to do something to show their gratitude to god it was found necessary to fix particular periods and seasons when men should rest from their daily labors so as to enable them to turn their thoughts to god and to his service and it was for this reason that the sabbath and festivals were instituted in fixing those particular days for his service god wisely set bounds and limits to the religious fervor of men we are not to spend our entire time in penance and in prayer we are meant to work and religion helps to sanctify our work the commandment declares six days shalt thou labor work was to be a duty and a holy life was to be no excuse for a lazy life the sabbath the law of the sabbath is many times repeated in the books of moses though the wording of the commandment differs slightly in some places the principle is the same in all rest on the sabbath day for everyone for yourselves your household your servants and your cattle the bible tells us that the sabbath is a sign between god and ourselves throughout all generations and this continues to be true even to this day the observance of the sabbath is truly a sign it is truly a test whether a man is one of god's chosen people the man who though he may incur great loss or inconvenience thereby always keeps holy the sabbath day shows himself to be a really sincere do it is a sign between the do and his god it is a sign that god looks upon israel as his chosen people and that the israelite looks upon god as the guardian of himself and of his race the source of all earthly blessings the sustainer of every living creature and so the jew brings a sacrifice of one-seventh portion of his time to the observance of the holy sabbath in the sure hope and confidence that the time so given to god will not be lost in the perfect trust that he who ordained the sabbath will not bring to poverty or want those who keep his sabbath holy the feast of passover all nations have certain days in the year which they celebrate as anniversaries just as we observe our birthday every year so nations celebrate each year the events which they call to mind with pride or pleasure the early history of israel was full of events worthy to be remembered the departure from egypt the giving of the law the travels in the wilderness these were events worth remembering and they were to be celebrated not by cruel sports not by races not by riotous feasts 
as is customary among many modern people, but by joyful thanksgiving and by charitable deeds. Now, why do you keep the Passover festival? Simply to recall the great deliverance of our fathers from the bondage of Egypt? Let us see. We who lived in this happy land, free to worship God according to our conscience, free to do as we please, to go where we please, to work as we please, can hardly imagine what it was to live, as did our forefathers in Egypt, under the rule of the wicked pharaohs, to be slaves, to be obtained to work not for themselves, but for others, to have nothing of our own, to be beaten by cruel taskmasters who live impossible tasks, to work in fear and dread, without hope and without the comforts and joys of home. This was the experience of the poor Israelites. And worse than all, the lives of their children were not safe, for the cruel king at one time doomed them to destruction. Such was the state of bondage from which God delivered them. But why should we, year after year, and after so many centuries, call to mind by the observance of Passover these terrible trials of our forefathers? To show our gratitude to God is doubtless one reason. But there is yet another reason to declare to the world the right of man to be free. Passover is the festival of freedom. We read the history of our ancestors in Egypt and relate their wonderful deliverance and the fall of the tyrant who had oppressed them, and we thereby declare that God ordained man to be free, free in body and free in mind, and we offer a warning to slave owners, to tyrants, and to oppressors that God will break their power. For people are not everywhere free and happy as we are. Slavery still exists in many parts of the world. There are many countries where Jews are still oppressed, their lives and their property in constant danger, where our people cannot meet for public worship, nor even permit to be known that they are Jews. By grace of God, Israel has lived through all persecution and is today as strong as ever. Power after power has perished, nation after nation has disappeared, but Israel alone has remained alive through all these thousands of years, and year after year celebrates with joy and gladness and gratitude the great festival of freedom. We know how the festival is celebrated, how before the festival begins, the home is cleansed from leaven so that no particle of it remains. Seder night is observed, every household joining in solemn prayer and praise, reading the narrative of the Exodus, seated around the table containing of paschal lamb, the unleavened bread, and the bitter herbs, how at that table all sit as equals, parents and children, master and servant, host and guest, how for more than a week unleavened bread is eaten, and no living is allowed in our homes. How we meet in the synagogue to praise God for His mercies, and how on the seventh day of the festival we read the story of the wonderful passage of the Red Sea and sing the song of Moses in the same words used by our forefathers.
When you eat the unleavened bread, which is called the bread of affliction, think of the first unleavened bread which our forefathers made in their hurried departure from Egypt. When you eat the bitter herbs, think of the bitter hardships our ancestors suffered in the land of bondage. How thankful you must feel that you are free and happy, that you are Jews and Jewesses, openly declaring before the world the greatness, goodness, and glory of God, for you are the living witnesses of His greatness, goodness, and glory. Every Passover for thousands of years, those same words of prayer and praise have been sung, which you sing, those same customs have been observed, which you observe, thus making you feel as if you yourselves had just come out of Egypt, the objects of God's bounty and mercy. The Feast of Weeks On the second day of Passover, when the sickle was first put to the corn, and the wheat harvest begun, the Israelites were to bring as an offering a sheaf of the first fruits of the harvest for seven weeks afterward the days were to be counted and on the fiftieth day when the seven weeks were over the feast of weeks was to be kept the first of the first fruits was to be brought to the house of the lord and so this festival is not only called the feast of weeks but also shabuot or the day of first fruits in Palestine, the summer is much earlier than here. The barley was ripe at the Passover season, and the corn was gathered in when the Feast of Weeks had arrived. On this festival, the first fruit offering was brought into the temple. A remarkable prayer was recited when the first fruits were brought to the temple by each Israelite. It concludes with the words, And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which thou o lord hast given me it is to be found in deuteronomy chapter 26 verses 2 to 10 these last words emphasize that great principle of our religion the recognition of god in every act of our life in every good thing that we receive in every happiness that we enjoy the prosperous farmer fresh from his harvest field might feel puffed up with the sense of his importance might grow too proud of his possessions and might think that it is to his own industry and talent that all his wealth is due but the day of the first fruits draws near he obeys the divine command and brings his offering to the holy place he joins the procession which came from every city and village of palestine bringing to the temple of jerusalem the choicest first fruits decked with the finest flowers amid the sound of music and the voice of song echoing the words o come let us go up to zion to the lord our god no matter how rich he may be he himself must carry on his shoulder his own first fruit and standing before the priest he recites the ordained prayer and finishes with the words and now behold i have brought the first fruits of the land which thou o lord hast given me 
the boast half rising to the lips of the successful farmer would be suppressed at the humble confession of his lowly origin and at the prayer which acknowledges god as the source of all good to us who live in a climate where the wheat harvest is gathered several months later than in palestine the feast of weeks held in may or june can present only a shadow of its former beauty and instead of bringing like our ancestors our first fruits we are forced to content ourselves with adorning our synagogues with choice flowers as a memorial of nature's bounty and god's loving kindness but from another point of view the feast of weeks is as much to us as ever it was to our forefathers it is the anniversary of the giving of the law on sinai the anniversary of the greatest event that the world has ever witnessed the revelation of god to his people israel the feast of booths we are commanded to dwell in booths for seven days commencing on the fifteenth day of the seventh month to remind us that god caused the children of israel to dwell in booths when he led them out of the land of egypt these seven days are the feast of booths and the eighth day was ordained to be kept as a solemn assembly we are commanded too to take on the first day of the festival the fruit of a goodly tree the citron the branches of palm trees the boughs of thick-leaved trees the myrtle and willows of the brook and to rejoice before the lord seven days it is interesting to read in the book of nehemiah how after a long interval of neglect this festival was observed by our ancestors under ezra the scribe how they published and proclaimed in all their cities and in jerusalem saying go forth unto the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths as it is written and how the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths every one upon the roof of his house and in the courts and in the court of the house of god in this climate it happens unfortunately that the season when the festival falls is usually a rainy time of the year and thus the command to dwell in booths or temporary huts is not so generally observed by our people as it should be but there are yet many zealous jews in this country who in spite of the great inconvenience yet make an effort to observe the command as ordained and who erect tabernacles wherein they eat their meals and spend a portion of their time during the festival those who can afford it decorate their tabernacles with lamps and pictures and flowers and fruits making the little home truly a thing of beauty the law of moses does not tell us how to make a sukkah or booth but according to tradition the main feature of the sukkah is the roof which must be formed of green leaves arranged in such a manner that the sky may be seen between the leaves so as to indicate the temporary character of the structure as distinguished from the permanent ceiling of an ordinary dwelling it is not only to remind us of the wanderings of our ancestors in the wilderness but also to bring to our minds thoughts of gratitude toward god who favors us with his bounty at the feast of ingathering when we might perhaps be filled with pride at our poorly success 
we are told to leave our warm substantial homes and to take up our abode in the frail booth roofed like the hut of a wanderer looking at this leafy roof we see the sky and call to mind the heavenly hand that made and fashioned us and gave us all we have we see the starry hosts of heaven and understand our own nothingness and the frail covering which scarcely keeps out rain and wind makes us think of those poor distressed creatures who would have no roof to shelter them but for our timely aid the beautiful trophies of nature too which we are commanded to take during the festival are meant to lead us to like thoughts of duty and gratitude the palm emblem of uprightness the citron and myrtle emblems of that charity that spreads its fragrance far and wide giving much yet losing nothing and the willow emblem of true humility these choice gifts of nature we are to gather and looking at them learn from them a holy lesson and in all our rejoicings we are to be mindful of others besides ourselves not only shalt thou rejoice says the bible but thy manservant and thy maidservant and the levite the stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are within thy gates are to share the bounties of nature and to take part in the joys of a happy harvest home it is the custom of the synagogue to signalize the close of these holidays by a celebration thoroughly characteristic of our religion known as simkath torah the rejoicing in the law on this occasion the synagogue is made to wear its most festive aspect the sacred scrolls of the law decked in gorgeous vestments are carried in procession round the holy edifice even little children participating while hymns of praise and thanksgiving attuned to joyous music testify our gratitude to god for his goodness in having permitted us again to complete the reading of that law which is our greatest treasure end of part eleven chapter five recording by franklin vias